This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast Thursday, April 27th. That means we are doing this the day of the NFL draft. Everybody's going to be tied into the NFL draft tonight. Very compelling at television. This is podcast episode number 773 of Mike Missanelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. And you can make a bet on who's going to be selected tonight. You want to take the bait with these odds and grab the quarterbacks who are going to be taken because I think this is all going to be a ruse. There's no way the second pick of the draft is not going to be a quarterback. You'd be an idiot not to take a quarterback at that position if you're tech, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Houston Texans. So uh, uh, we'll get to that in a little, uh, a little bit. But first, uh, the NBA playoffs. And, and the NBA playoffs are now cooking. Now, here's my conclusion. And I didn't have this conclusion before I've been watching the proceedings the last couple of nights. So first of all, last night, a major door has been opened for the 76ers to get to the NBA Finals. We touched on this the other day as the Miami Heat pull off one of the great upsets and get rid of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll have more to say on this later because I cannot believe the Milwaukee Bucks choked like they did. But here's the door that's open because now the Knicks play the Heat. And it all depends on if the Sixers are strong enough to get past the Celtics. If they are, there is no way they're going to lose a seven game series to either the Heat or the Knicks, which puts them in the NBA Finals against probably Denver. Uh, and I think they can beat that. Believe it or not, I think the, the Sixers could win an NBA championship this year. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Here's why I think so. I watched the Boston Celtics the other night. I've had great respect for the Celtics. I think they're a really good team. And yet, they could not close out the team at home the other night. They lose game five closeout game, and they looked weak in doing it. They looked a little confused and puzzled. And I look, I go, hmm, I had more respect for the DNA, apparently. Because that's a game they should have never lost. They made mistakes in the end of that game. They came out lethargic. They did not pounce on that team. And now they have to go another game. Now, they're probably going to win the series. 
but I saw something into their soul. I looked into the into the the glass of the Boston Celtics into their soul, and I didn't like what I saw there. And they didn't make that closeout game. So maybe this has to go seven. If it has to go seven, it gives Embiid more time to rest. And I know the whole thing is based on Embiid's health. And I know they said he's going to be fifty percent. He's going to be wearing a brace. I've seen this before with Embiid. These ailments, bragging him down, blah, 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 blah. And he comes out and he plays anyway. Now, unless he is totally less than 50%, I think the Sixers are going to be okay with Joel Embiid. I don't think he's going to miss a game in that, in that second series. So forget about that. I know they may tease that. Well, we don't know. You know, he's a game-time decision. He's definitely going to play in the first game of that series against the Boston Celtics uh, as, as they struggle to uh, – to get to the next round. All right, now let's look at last night's game. And the reason why the Sixers' door has been open is because of one guy named Jimmy Butler. So um, he pours in 42 last night against the Heat, including the game-tying little looper alley-oop pass to score it. Now, I think he pushed off, but there's not an official in America that's going to make that call. As Connaughton, he pushed Connaughton out of the way, basically. But the, the whole play fails because of the, the, the lack of defensive intensity by the Bucs. So, so let's go. That's 98 points he scored in the last two games against the Bucs, which, frankly, should get the coach fired. I think we've seen the end of Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee because he let Michael Jordan score 98 points on him in two games. Now... I'm I'm befuddled by this, right? Because he's not Michael George. Jimmy Butler, I love him. All right, he's a gamer. He's got great footwork. He's maybe the best middle range shooter in the league. He should not score 98 points. How do you not double a guy? Get the ball out of his hands. Make somebody else beat you. It's it's incomprehensible that an NBA stare. They've got nine freaking coaches on the sidelines. Not one of them can figure out a defensive posture to prevent Jimmy Butler from going crazy. Drew Holiday's a nice defensive player. Jimmy Butler's six eight. He he's going to be able to shoot over him the whole time. You got to double the guy. Let Gabe Vincent beat you. Let somebody else on that team. Who else on that team is going to beat you if it's not Jimmy Butler? And the Milwaukee Bucks let it happen to him. Pathetic, really. And that's why the coach lose their, lose his job. I mean, listen, he's regarded as a pretty good coach, but uh, he got used by Jimmy Butler in this whole series. Um, so, so let's let's look at the, at the last play. All right. So, <laughs> this is hard to believe, but the, the Milwaukee Bucks are in way in control of this game. It's, it's incomprehensible for a team to lose that kind of lead as you're in the fourth quarter. Not only that, they're up four now with 14 seconds left in the game. They're up four with 14 seconds left in the game, NBA team. Um, so what happens in the next possession? They lollygag defensively and let Gabe Vincent shoot a, a three-point shot within like a couple seconds down the floor. That's Mistake number one is you just let a, let a guy fire a three-pointer. Uh, so then. They get they get Gabe Vincent the three point. Then there's an errant inbounds pass. It flies all over the place. It winds up being a jump ball. They almost throw it out of bounds, but Middleton saves it to Drew Holiday, who gets fouled. Drew Holiday has had a great season. Son, you got to go to the line and knock down a couple. He only makes one of two, which now puts the game outcome 
very much in the Heat's favor if they can make a play. Butler in the huddle. First of all, I, I don't know what Eric Spolstra is thinking to use Butler as, as a decoy. And I'm reminded of Hoosiers, where, where Gene Hackman tried to pull the same stuff and use Jimmy Chitwood as a decoy. And Jimmy Chitwood, who wouldn't say shit if he had a mouthful of it, looks at him and goes, I'll make it. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's the same scene. Butler looks at Spolster and goes, I'll make it. So, so they design a pass where, and Butler, you got Butler's smart because Drew Holiday's been trailing him the whole time. That's how he's been playing defense, not undercutting screens and not meeting him on the other side. So he says, well, yeah, Drew Holiday's going to follow. Now, if you know that the play is going to go to Butler, how do you not have a rim protector? It, you've got to follow him. You can't let him catch the ball. So Holiday trails him. Connaughton comes over and makes some, you know, I have hard. Connaughton's 6'4", right? Jimmy Butler's 6'8". The play goes into alley-oops to Butler. He gives a little shove, gets Connaughton out of the way. Drew Holiday's standing there with his thumb up his nose, and, and he lays it in to tie the game and go into overtime. Now, in overtime, the Bucks get the final possession. And Grayson Allen crapped himself. Like, all right, so the play is not supposed to be to Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen's saying, I'm not taking this shot. I don't want this shot. He has a a wide-open middle-range jumper and doesn't want to shoot it and fumbles it, and time runs out. They don't get a shot off. The coach has to go. But all this leads to one thing. The Sixers now have a chance. I got to be honest with you. I'm thinking – For the Sixers to have to beat Boston four games and then Milwaukee four games is almost an insurmountable task. Instead, now they have to beat Boston, which showed themselves to be flimsy in that closeout game five. And now the winner of the Knicks and the Heat. And listen, give credit to the Knicks and the Heat because they're really playing well in the playoffs. They ain't beating the Sixers in a seven-game series. Either of them are not beating the Sixers because – what you saw is the best of the Heat and the Knicks at this particular They're not ready to win an Eastern Conference title. So if the Sixers get into that, they're going to the NBA Finals. If they get to the NBA Finals, they're probably going to be favored over whether it's Phoenix or Denver to win the NBA championship. This could be one of those magical years, man. All right. That's my basketball stuff for the top. Let's look at the NFL draft now. We've all had time to process it. We've all had the predictions in a minute, you're going to hear from Matt Miller, who is ESPN.com a draft expert. Uh, we're going to get his views on, on the NFL draft tonight. Um, so let me give you my final uh, NFL drafts. I think the Eagles are trading down. Two days ago, I said they'd probably take Paris Johnson. He's probably going to be there at 10. I can see no value in them taking Paris Johnson now, even though they like to draft in the trenches. And here's why. Lane Johnson's playing four more years. My lot is going to play four or five more years. All right. So unless they're thinking that Paris Johnson can play guard, and they've got guard pretty much taken care of right now, um, they're probably going to be able to trade. They're probably going to trade down. Their number one target is going to be Jalen Carter. If Jalen Carter gets past six, I think they'll be active and moving down. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to take anybody at 10. I don't think they're going to take a cornerback at 10. And I know there's all this fanfare to take B. Sean Robinson at 10. It ain't going to happen, folks. And Marcus Hayes wrote a, a kind of a whimsical piece 
in today's inquiry that they must take him, that it would make them dynamic. They're not going to do that. And Mel Kuyper, in his his mock draft, has him taking B. John Robinson. Here's the thing. This is what bothers me about people who prognosticate. And, and, like, if they take B. John Robinson, he looks like a hero. So he's got nothing to lose. But it's a foolish, stupid selection in a mock draft to think that the Eagles are going to take a running back at 10. They're just not going to do it. Their history indicates that they, they loathe that. So why would this year be special? And they, and they take B. John Robinson. They're just not going to do it. So if they get to 10, they don't have draft picks in 4, 5, and 6. They're going to try to get some of that capital back by, by moving back. And, and whoever they target uh, at that particular point, it may be a cornerback at that position if they have to draft like 15. But um, I, I first thought it would be Paris Johnson. I now don't think it's going to be Paris Johnson. I think they are uh, going to trade back. Let's bring in uh, producer Darren, who follows the NFL very closely. Darren, what are you feeling about pick 10? I, I First of all, I, I, I say this. The chances of them trading up or down, trading out of number 10, I think is far greater than them standing pat at number 10. I think if they move up, it's for Anderson or Carter. Personally, I would, if you find a way, I would give up 30. Uh, I would obviously give up the number 10. I would give up a third next year and another second rounder this year if they're going for Will Anderson. To me, Anderson is a generational talent. I like him better than Carter. Um, So I I think if they're going to move up, it's for one of those two guys. If they stand pat for whatever reason, they're making a pick at number 10. I think it's Paris Johnson. Johnson can plug in, play guard or tackle. You could plug him in this year for, say, Amalo's position. Um, You know, we've all seen what the Eagles are with Lane Johnson versus without Lane Johnson. That position is vital to any team, really, but particularly to the Eagles with um, Jalen Hurts' mobile game. So if they stand pat at 10, I believe it's Paris Johnson. If they trade back, I think it's a cornerback. I know they like Gonzalez probably the best. I don't know if he'll be there. So that's basically uh, if they move up, it's for Anderson or Carter, it's to, or at least to get in position to, for one of those guys. Standing pat, Paris Johnson. Trading back, it's a corner, preferably uh, in their eyes. Gonzalez. Yeah, it probably won't be Gonzalez, but it could be Witherspoon. And I know they like Witherspoon. Yes. Uh, and it won't be Joey Porter Jr. Uh, so here's the thing. If they trade, they're going to have to get to three. They're going to have to make the trade with Arizona uh, to get there, to to get uh, I mean, Anderson. or Houston, possibly. I mean, I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I think, Houston, into one I, I think Houston, Houston has to take a quarterback. I can't believe that uh, with a new coach that they, they, they would go with uh, they, they would wait until next year uh, in hopes that, that they get to give from USC. Um, they can't play it like that. They have to get a quarterback now. Davis Mills is not their franchise quarterback. So I think that, that they're going to take C.J. Stroud at two and, and Bryce Young goes one. Now at three, it, you know, the Cardinals can take Will Anderson at three, but there could be another uh, team that's greedy that wants to get to three, which means maybe the Colts have to get to three. To, to get the quarterback at that position uh, because somebody might move ahead of the Colts at four. So uh, I think you have to probably get the three or four in that area. Uh, whoever, if they flop, if, if Arizona flops with, uh, with uh, Indianapolis, then the Sixers would have uh, Sixers. The Eagles would have to get the four to get the Anderson. That's why, that's why I don't think that's going to happen. And that's why I believe they'll trade back. And if they trade back, I, they'll probably take Witherspoon, the, the cornerback, 
at that point. Now, uh, as far as the quarterback goes, man, there's all, this is what the, the most exciting part of this whole thing is because there are four quarterbacks that are worthy. And uh, as we get closer to the draft, the quarterbacks become more Titan-like. And I don't, I don't mean the team, the Titans. The, the quarterback is king. And so uh, all these teams, now they get panicking. they got to have their quarterback, and all these quarterbacks are going to get run off the board really early, including Anthony Richardson, who I think is a major, major reach for, for any team. Uh, but then Levis is in there. So that, that's, that, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see these quarterbacks being taken. And you know these quarterbacks are not going to last beyond the top ten. So these, these teams look at quarterbacks and go, oh, my God, this is a once-in-a-lifetime guy. Uh, Levis is like uh, Josh Allen. Uh, Richardson's got all these physical tools. Uh, and they're going to overreact to all these quarterbacks. It's the way it works. Uh, I hate I, the comp. Like when you say, well, this quarterback is just like, like you just said, I hate that comp. I hate using that terminology because every quarterback more than any other position is so different from the next. Very difficult to, to really pin that. Yes, He's just but but it's an interesting watch. Uh, and uh, again, if you're going to hang in there uh, and see what the Eagles do at 30, I mean, I have no idea who could be there at 30 for them, whether they decide to take it, whether they trade, trade up. Uh, or whether they, I, I have no idea at 30. I know there's all this speculation who they may take. I'd be an idiot to tell you that, that I know who they're going to take or, they, yeah, they, this guy would look good. And, you know, the, they're talking about the, the, the running back from Alabama might be good. I, I, maybe, maybe they grab him at, at 30 and they take a cornerback. But again, if they take a cornerback and a running back, their first two picks, they're ignoring the trenches. And they don't ignore the trenches. So, uh, to me, you focus on the trenches. And uh, uh, if somebody worthy is there, 15, who plays defensive tackle, maybe they go there. Otherwise, maybe this is the year they take a cornerback that high. uh, And then with the 30th pick, uh, I have no idea what they're going to do. But it should be a very exciting uh, NFL draft. And, and again, I'm predicting. The Eagles, two days ago, I said they're taking Paris Johnson. Today, I'm saying they are trading back. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It's the Mike Mussinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest on the Mike Mussinelli podcast, uh, a major contributor on draft day for ESPN, ESPN.com. He's an NFL writer and draft day contributor, former NFL writer for Bleacher Report for many years, and now joining the big mothership at ESPN and will be part of their television coverage of the draft, which begins tonight. Matt Miller joins us. Hello, Matt. How you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, so first of all, let's address, uh, I was reading a story where uh, Mel Kuyper was pushing for you to be part uh, of the TV uh, package that ESPN is is uh, using for the uh, to televise the NFL draft. Tell me a little bit about that story. Yeah, so I, I don't remember exactly when it was. Maybe February. I got a phone call from Seth Markman, who... I mean, Seth is the, you know, in charge. <laughs> I don't know Seth's title. He's in charge of, of uh, NFL TV for ESPN. And he said, hey, you know, um, we'd like to add you to day three coverage of the draft. This, you know, it's a big step for you. We, we know you're ready for it. I'm just like freaking out right in my office, like, you know, kid in a candy store. You know, like the Jonah Hill gif where he's like freaking out. That was me. Uh, and, and he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, to add to that. He said, you know, Kuiper really pushed for this. And and I had heard like a rumor about that from a producer. That, like, hey, Mel's really pushing for you to get on day three. And it's like Mel's the nicest guy in the world. So when I heard that story, I was like, yeah, I bet he is. But to have it like confirmed, you know, from the bosses that, that Mel kind of, you know, said, hey, we want this guy on is 
I don't even know how to like properly explain it because I've been like, I've idolized Mel Kuyper my whole life, you know? And I, I try, I've tried to use the analogy. It's like, imagine growing up like a, an Eric Clapton fan. And he like sees you at a concert and it's like, Hey, you want to come play rhythm guitar with me? It's like, of course I want to do that. But then you get up there and you're like, God, I don't, if I screw up in front of my idol, this is going to be really embarrassing. So uh, it's, it's an honor. It's also, I think tomorrow night the pressure is going to sink in and I'm going to, you know, start thinking about it a little bit, but like you said, I was a Bleacher Report for a long time. Um, I've done this job for a long time, but never done it sitting next to the person that created this industry. Or the reason that I'm even sitting in Kansas City right now covering the NFL draft is because of Mel Kuyper. So it's it's going to be an honor. I mean, I could do a whole 30-minute podcast on why Mel is the nicest person in sports media, but that's probably better left for a, a time other than a day before the draft. All right, so how did you um how did he become aware of you? I have no idea. Uh, that's a great question. I so I um I left Bleacher Report um in I actually let them know early. I let them know in gosh, what was it? I, I think I left in 2020. Uh the pandemic years are a blur for me. Uh I, I let them know that I didn't want to extend my contract, that I, I just wanted to try something different. I've been there 10 years, I've been through a ton of changes. I was like, yeah, I want to do something else. So I, I let them know I would not be entering negotiations to extend my contract. And I uh, got a job, like a seasonal job as a draft analyst for ESPN. And I don't know that Mel knew who I was when they said, hey, we're going to hire this guy who's been a Bleacher Report. The, my first day on television, uh, I, I do TV for ESPN. And it's like, this is one of the greatest days of my life. And my wife, uh, my fiance at the time, we were going to go to dinner to celebrate. And I looked down at my phone and a Maryland number's calling me. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And I sort of like everybody else. If I don't know who's calling me, I almost never answer it. And I was like, you know what? I should probably answer this. And I answer and it's Mel on the other end of the line. And it's like, you know, it's got that big booming voice that you've, and he talks on the phone just like he does on TV. So I'm like hyperventilating, like putting my phone on speaker so everybody in my office can hear it. And from then, so that would have been like March of 21, I, I think that's probably when he became aware of me, but he has been so helpful in learning how to do this job. You know, doing it at Bleacher Report for a digital company is a lot different than doing it at ESPN for a TV company. And so just kind of holding my hand through that. He has me on his radio show every Saturday during the draft. So it's it's almost like, uh, you know, like a big brother uh, or, a, you know, situation. So it's he's been great. All right. So, um is this your first national TV gig? It is, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it is. Um, at Bleacher Report, we did a lot of video. So I had a lot of video experience, you know, of being on camera, of being live on camera. But it was always streamed through an app or it was streamed through YouTube. And so, you know, Mike, I'd never thought of it that way. So now I'm going to be even more nervous. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it I'm is. So, yeah. I'm sorry, but, you yeah. know, the, you said the pressure's on. And this is a, this is a really interesting story. Uh, uh, so, uh, I, you listen, once you, I know there's going to be anytime somebody's on TV, there's butterflies. Yeah. You know, I've done absolutely. it and, and a lot of, so many people have done it, but once you get into your, your thing, once I you mean, get you, going, you yeah. know, the subject. So, so, so what role will you have on the broadcast? Yeah. So, uh, day one and two, my job is to keep Mel fresh during the day. So I'll do sports center and NFL live and shows like that to, to basically save the voice. And then day three, I'll join. Mel, Todd McShay, Lewis Riddick, and Reese Davis for the you know the desk coverage of day three of the draft, which is the 
it's a long day. You know, it's it's six hours of draft picks coming in fast and furious. So I think the and I think Seth said this in an interview is that they want to cover those picks. They want to they want to tell fans on day three, hey, you just drafted this guy and he might be your Brock Purdy. He might be your Isaiah Pacheco. Um, maybe even your Tom Brady. We won't ever make that comparison, but maybe. So I think that, you know, ESPN understands the value of day three and that there are a lot of fans who they want to know who those players are. And we're seeing the the impact of day three picks. You know, some of the names I just mentioned and many, many others. Tariq Woolen, you know, was a fourth round pick and had a great season for the, the Seattle Seahawks. So it's it's so important those day three picks are. And I think it's also important for fans who are tuning in. They're watching the draft. So let's tell them who these players are and, and hopefully, you know, carve out a market that way. Uh, well, we're talking to uh, Matt Miller, who will be a part of the ESPN's NFL draft coverage tomorrow um so matt you have to know every one of these guys and so i assume that you spend hours and hours and hours watching video of a zillion players how do you have time to do that it's it is all like consuming for several months and the great thing is that you know you watch a lot of these guys in the fall and so you start to you know get familiar with them in the fall and it's a lot of just being organized it's a lot of note-taking uh, to make sure that you do know all those players, you know, so that when, you know, the producer says, all right, the you know, Patriots have selected Hunter Lipke, fullback North Dakota State, you're not like, who the hell is that? You know, you've got, you're like, okay, wait, I know who that is. You know, I'm ready to go. So it is a lot of, it's a lot of tape study. It's a lot of talking to, to scouts and sources around the NFL of, hey, like, give me the, give me the guy who you don't think will get drafted, but could. Give me that name so that I can go watch him. And so really that's what I, after the combine and pro days, that's my favorite text to send scouts or general managers or sometimes even agents. Like, hey, who's the guy that you don't think will get drafted but could? Because I need to go watch him and I need to read his background. And I need I need 60 seconds of being able to talk about that player. So who's the, who are the guys? And so, you know, even last week I was I was doing that. I was talking to uh, the gentleman that runs the East West Shrine game of, hey, who are, who are the guys that I may be missing? And he gave me a list and. And you start cross-checking the list. So it's it's honestly a lot of fun, though. It's great. Uh, okay, so I, I guess I, this is a fundamental question because it's uh, uh, it's easier to get video these days. But I, I, how how do you get it? I mean, in the old day, you had to get you know, big borrow and steal. And- yeah, well, I mean, when I was <laughs> when I was coming up in this business, it was like a shady dark arts, and you know, and you would you would literally like text people and be like, "Hey, I've got this game." Do you have that one? You know, and you're like mailing DVDs to each other. So um, one of the coolest things about working for ESPN is you have a login. And if you want to watch a college player, you just log in and you pick what you want to watch. You know, it's like, I want to watch all CJ Stroud's interceptions, which wouldn't take very long. That would be a, (laughs) but, you know, so you can do that. You can just split it up and watch it. And it's, it's great, but you're absolutely right. In the, in the olden days, it was, it was truly, you were doing some like, borderline shady things to get game film and it was often you know you needed to know someone you needed to know someone who either worked for an nfl team or a college team that was willing to give you a break be like yeah like i'll fedex you some dvds but you know it was kind of you scratch my back i'll scratch your situation so this is this was much much easier and, and much you know cleaner on the conscience for sure we're talking to Matt Miller, uh, NFL writer and uh, draft day contributor ESPN, ESPN.com. Be part of the coverage tonight. Uh, all right, let's get to the Eagles because there's so many different ways that we've talked about where they can go. And I tried to boil it down to this. If Jalen Carter slips, maybe they trade up 
and grab them. If they stay at 10, maybe it's Paris Johnson or even Nolan Smith. If they don't like that scenario, they trade back. They get some middle-round draft picks that they lack. Where do you see them going right now? Gosh, anywhere. Uh, That's what I love about this draft for Philly is you got a ton of capital. You have really no needs, right? You were just in the Super Bowl, damn near won the thing, and you don't have a lot of needs. So I think that's what's beautiful is at 10, they could look around the room and say, let's say, you know, they like Peter Skronsky, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. Say he's their top-rated player and he's on the board. Okay, we can draft him because he can either be the future at right tackle. He could be one of the future guard spots. Like, there's so much flexibility. If there's a corner they like, like, cool, we've got Slay and Bradbury who may be gone in the next year or two. So let's, let's bring a corner in. What they did last year, you know, you trade a pick for A.J. Brown, which was brilliant, by the way. Uh, and then you draft Jordan Davis, who you didn't even need. Like, the guy barely played this year, right? So I think we could see that same scenario play out. It's truly for Howie, it's best player available. And to that point, Mike, if at 10, Say you have three guys on the board at 10 who you really like. Why wouldn't you try to trade back and, and just keep stockpiling those picks? So it is like, I'm not an Eagles fan. I grew up a Niners fan of all things, but I'm so excited to see what the Eagles do in this draft because they have two first round picks, no real needs, and a GM who has been very aggressive in the past. So they are the team, you know, like we always talk about the domino effects in the draft and like who kind of holds the pivot points. Like Philly holds the pivot points because they can take Bijan Robinson and just say, he's the best player on the board. We're going to take Bijan and good luck stopping us. And I don't know how anyone would stop them, but they could also say, you know what? Uh, we, we really like slot receivers. We're going to take Jackson Smith and Jig from Ohio state. And also good luck stopping that if we put those guys out there so they can, they can really just have fun. And then if they need to at 30, you can, if you like think of, Oh, you know, we actually kind of need, this we need a young defensive end because Barnett and Graham are getting older at 30 take a young defensive end so they are truly blessed with a great situation all right but let's zero in what their mindset normally is and what their mindset is is trench drafting always yep Uh, so so uh but I understand you think that they're going to take the cornerback Christian Gonzalez at 10 I think that would be that's your yeah the perfect Matt uh, like you know, matchup of need and value is is Christian Gonzalez. If he's there, that's the, the, the other side of it. If he's there, six foot one, almost six two, 200 pounds. He ran a four three eight. He had four interceptions last year. And you know, as I mentioned, you have to start thinking long term about the roster at some point. Uh, and I think we were all surprised, or at least I was surprised, that they're able to get both the veteran corners to come back. And I think, given that it was hard to do this offseason, you're probably looking at next offseason as, okay, I don't know if we can keep these guys together or, or how much longer that makes sense financially um, because that's always in the back of your mind of we've got to get cheap starters. You know, uh, being in Kansas City, they drafted four defensive backs last year. All of them played in the Super Bowl. Uh, one of them, Trent McDuffie, being the team's best corner. So I, I think it is smart. Like you said, the trenches are huge, and Philly values the trenches more than probably any team in the league. But you have to also start thinking about, okay, corners are expensive. If we can get one at 10 and he's our guy for five years, we are saving a lot of money by going about it that way. Okay. Uh, That's fair. Now uh, let's, uh, uh, let's look at the quarterback situation in general. And then I'll come back to the Eagles in a second and and let you get get on your way. Um, There's so much like Levis is like, was the favorite to be picked second. And now he's not. And then there's the Anthony Richardson thing. And then there's Bryce Young looks like he's going to be the number one pick. Is CJ Stroud the number two pick? No, he should be. He should be. I I mean, I don't know what the Houston Texans are doing guys. And 
I, I keep trying to tell folks the Texans could be putting out the best executed but most pointless smokescreen of all time because they won't, no one you talk to says the Houston Texans should draft are, are going to draft a quarterback, right? I mean, I've talked to everyone I know basically over the last six weeks. Are the Texans going to draft a quarterback? No one says yes. Of course they are, dummy. But like, yeah, no. Everyone says no. They're not going to. So it it might. And again, it it would be a pointless smokescreen to lie about that because you are on the clock. We know the Panthers are ninety nine percent going to take Bryce Young. So you've run through the scenarios. Okay, Bryce is off the board. We take this guy. If Bryce is on the board. We take him. So like, why lie about it? Is what I don't understand. And like with the Will Levis talk, like Will Levis could go number two overall. I can't wait to see how much money Vegas made on the rumor that Will Levis will go number two overall or number one overall. It's it's amazing. There's gonna be the A's stadium is gonna get paid for by by that rumor alone. So um, I, I do think that Stroud should be the number two pick, but the Texans seem to be overthinking this, and it, it's gonna allow a team like the Colts to. Pr- perhaps get him at number four overall. It's going to allow a team like the Tennessee Titans to potentially trade up. And I think that's what's what's also fun about this draft is the Houston Texans could say no thanks to four quarterbacks who are projected to go in the first round, and two of them could go to their division rivals. So not only are you saying, hey, CJ, like, you know, we're good with Davis Mills, but you're also saying, and we don't even care if you play us twice a year. Same with Will Levis. Hey, we don't care if we play you twice a year. So, and I hope, I'm going to give the ear of these quarterbacks if this is what happens. Be like, hey, they didn't draft you. The Texans passed on you. So not only do you have that chip on your shoulder of, oh, I fell in the draft, but your division rival said that that you weren't a threat. They let you go to a, a hated team. So outside of you know Philly being the pivot point in this draft, that is the storyline I'm excited to see by the time we're done Thursday night is, do the Colts and Titans have a first-round pick at quarterback and the Texans don't? Because that that's going to be a fun one to to watch play out. All right, last question for Matt Miller, uh, NFL draft analyst for ESPN. The last time the Eagles passed up the top running back in America, who also happened to be go, go to Texas, it created tumult in this town and uh, <laughs> created really a, an inferiority complex on Donovan McNabb that he never got over. Yep. So um, uh, tell me right now, are, are the Eagles not going to take B. John Robinson at 10? Uh, I don't know if he'll be there. Let me say that. Let's have fun. If he's there, they should take him. Uh, I don't know if he'll be there. I talked to B. <laughs> if he's there, do you think they would take him? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Uh, I do think that how like how he gets so much credit for being great in the trenches, like how he's also done some things where you're like, what? Let's not forget Jalen Rager, guys. Okay. Like, let's how he's great. He might be the best GM of football, but he's not always gone chalk. He's not always gone by the book. So um, I will say they've invested so many second round picks in the offensive line. Cam Jurgens, like they've they've added dudes in round two. I think the last two years. Um, I'll say they will go Bijan Robinson if he's there at ten. Wow! All right, I'll bet all the money that Vegas <laughs> law, uh, won on on, on the on the, the Levis, the, yeah, uh, Will Levis, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bet I'll bet that they don't take Bijan Robinson. I I would be flabbergasted if that happened. I would I just immediately. Don't think it's a uh, we're sitting in Missouri right now, but I can see Kansas out my window. I would immediately run to Kansas and put all my money on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. They draft Bijan Robinson at ten. Like I'm <laughs> wow. taking a beeline for State Line oh, Road. Yeah. I. 
nobody would be disappointed. I just don't think it's their mindset. Uh, Matt Miller, listen, man, thank thank you so much for coming on. Best of yeah. luck uh, for the broadcast. We know you do a great job. Thanks for uh, coming on for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty, folks. Thanks to Matt Miller for coming on and look forward to his reports tonight. It is now time for Mike Unleash. I'll go over a couple topics on Mike Unleash for today. Let's get back to Jimmy Butler because uh, there are a lot of uh, people who who look back at Jimmy Butler. And I put a tweet out the other day when I see him play like this, I cringe because I love his game. I also know he's full of shit. All right, so let's talk about why he left here and it ended up in Miami. There's a lot of speculation on why that happened. The speculation, the easiest thing, the lowest hanging fruit is the Sixers chose to bias Harris over, which they did not. Okay, so here's how the Jimmy Butler situation played out. First of all, he had a nice little spread in Ambler, PA. He was looking, he had a nice little house in Ambler, PA, and there was a, a speculation that he was renting it. There was speculation some from realtor friends that I knew out that way that he was actually going to buy the house. When all this, when the season was over, where he was going to land, the whispers were, you're going to buy the house, which indicated the Sixers were going to keep him. But Jimmy played everybody. Jimmy likes to do that. There's one thing about Jimmy Butler is he loves to, to, to play people, uh, to keep the focus on himself. He loves that kind of exterior attention. So, so here's the way, first of all, he did not like playing with Ben Simmons. He didn't think he was a gamer. That's A. B, he did not like Brett Brown. He did not like the way Brett Brown coached. He did not respect Brett Brown for not standing up to the likes of ben, the Ben Simmonses of the world and didn't like his system. Okay, so he had two strikes against them right there, against the Sixers right there. Uh, so it was always Miami from the jump. Believe me when I tell you, he always had the glam of Miami on his mind where he could also get the best of both worlds. The glam of Miami and the, the he could be the guy. And that's what he wanted to do because Jimmy Butler is full of his own mess sometimes. And so that's the way and he played it off like the Sixers were the ones that fall. Well, they were only a fault because he made him a fault because he didn't want to play with Ben Simmons. He did not like Brett Brown. And so the people are now speculating, well, had you gotten rid of Ben Simmons at the time, you could have preserved ben, uh, uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and who was going to be the point guard? If you remember at that time, they were cultivating Ben Simmons as the one. That was Brett Brown's whole mission. He wanted to make him the point guard. And I don't think it was a bad mission because Ben Simmons gave, gave you something at that position that no other team had. The only problem is he refused to shoot, which kind of negates the whole process of him being a one. So in retrospect... They are, thought they had Ben Simmons as the one. They weren't going to part with him because of Jimmy Butler. They wanted Jimmy Butler back, but he didn't want them. So where were the Sixers supposed to go with that? And it's because he went to Miami that they had to overpay Tobias Harris because you had two guys as free agents. You couldn't lose both of them because then you look ridiculous. So basically, Tobias Harris lucked into that situation where Jimmy Butler caused the ruckus. Jimmy Butler was playing the Sixers. Jimmy Butler always wanted Miami, the glam, and a chance to be the man. And so he put the Sixers on the heels. What else were they going to do but overpay Tobias Harris? Now you look at it and you go, God, I wish I had Jimmy Butler. And believe me, I wish I had Jimmy Butler too. I, I, I love the guy's game. I just love the guy's game. I mean, he, his footwork is so special and his height and the way he handles it, where he gets into spots to make medium range jump shots. It's phenomenal. 
Now, that doesn't mean that Milwaukee didn't enable him to score 98 freaking points in two games, but I just love the game, and I miss him. And every time I watch him, I cringe that he's not a sixer. So there's that. All right, let's move on. Well, Mike unleashed to the second topic. And I tell you, media people getting fired. They're like acorns dropping off a tree. On Tuesday, uh, I went off on uh, the firings of uh, Tuck Face and Don Lemon. Uh, and today, let's discuss Marley Rivera being fired from ESPN. Uh, and this is really noteworthy because they fired uh, a woman, A, and also uh, a minority woman. And you don't see co- corporations do that much anymore uh, without taking heat. Uh, and Marley Vera was a good reporter. And she was bilingual and she had all kinds of conversations with the, with the Latino players. So she was a valuable employee for ESPN. So what did she do? Well, she got into a little tiff. Uh, the woman's name is uh, Yvonne uh, Gaty. Uh, she is also a Hispanic reporter who uh, was on a freelance assignment uh, for Tokyo Broadcasting Company. Now, um, she's requ- uh, considered to be a very good reporter, and apparently she has clashed with Marley Rivera before. Marley's had a problem with this woman. This woman also happens to be married to uh, MLB's vice president of communications, John Blundell. So what happens is Marley Rivera sets up an interview with Aaron Judge. So she is on the scene at Yankee Stadium before the Yankees Angels game. Uh, Yvonne Gaiety is there to do a story uh, on uh, Shoei Otani, but she she tries to horn in on an interview with Aaron Judge since she's already there. Well, Molly Rivera's got some proprietary rights here because she has set up the interview with Aaron Judge. So this woman now clashes with her trying to wedge in and do an interview herself on Aaron Judge when Marley Rivera is thinking she has exclusivity. So she calls her the C word. Ooh, you can't do it. You said, get away, you see. I, I think that's like the only word that is pretty universally, um, you know, unwelcome. Okay. All right. I think. Unless you're in Brit- England. I feel like England, it's, it's every other, every time, you know, watch yeah, British that humor. Seems to be it's a vernacular of uh, the British accent. It is the vernacular. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Marley Vera, good reporter, now loses their job because she used the C word. And boy, they hushed that right up. I mean, they. They clipped it and they didn't say another word. The only thing that ESPN has said, Marley Vera no longer works for the network, is the only the only statement they have made. So hopefully she catches on with with, uh, with someone because she's a pretty good reporter. Uh, all right, that will end uh, Mike Unleashed um, for today. It is now time for three questions for Mikey Miss. All right, three questions for Mikey Miss. Um, Mike James Corden. Late of the host of the late, late show. Uh, I think it's a CV. I don't really watch James Corden, but uh, his last show, he's moving on after 1,200 shows. Uh, he, he will no longer be, uh, I believe it's CBS's um, late, late night talk show host. Um, of all time, what is your favorite late night talk show host 
of all time and why? Oh, it's, it's, I think we've talked talk about this before. It's David Letterman and, and, and end it, end it. You know, it's like he's he's the standard for me. He was snarky, he was sarcastic, uh, he was funny, uh, he he was uh, fearless, uh, and uh, his imagination was great. I mean, uh, stupid Petrex and throwing stuff off a roof, all that stuff he did in his early days was wildly entertaining. So I, I grew up on David Letterman. I got uh, I tried to kind of you know, copy his style when I did radio shows to be sarcastic and be ironic and stuff like that. So without question, it, for me, it's David Letterman. Oh, yeah. Well, I've asked you before who you listen to currently, but I've never asked you. Yeah, who the, the, the Letterman sets the standard for me. I, um, and, and now I don't watch any. I, I, there, there is nobody that intrigues me enough to want to sit down and, and watch. It's a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, I like his monologue. I think he's, uh, his writers are really good. So I'll, I'll watch him. Um, Stephen Colbert, I doesn't do anything for me. Never did. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Jimmy Fallon is just a just a goof. So uh, I, I, I you know I don't watch him, and I, I don't really watch the the Daily Show uh, anymore. So yeah, it was it, it it started and stopped with Letterman for me. I completely agree with you. Letterman is was the greatest of all time. I I like Seth Meyers' writers a little bit. Too late for me. Um, I like man. Jimmy that's, Kimmel. That's a little too late for me. Well, I DVR them. So, I, like, like you, I go to bed early uh, nowadays, mm-hmm. which I, I love going to bed, which is something that I never appreciated in life is sleep. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll DVR the late night shows, and then in the morning when I'm having my coffee, uh, if I if there's a guest, I don't. There's no host I tune in or record for. But if there's a, a guest or a musical act, I'll fast forward. Yeah, that's probably that a good way to do it. I, I never think of doing that. Because in the morning, um, I, I that's not um, like the DVR and watching the morning is not part of my morning plans. My morning plans are to to read up on as much stuff as I can, uh, and not uh, be bothered with something that was the night before. So that's why I don't. Yeah, do it. but like you're right. If there's a musical guest, yeah, if there's a musical guest on that I like, uh, I probably should do that. Yeah, there you go. And I, like I said, I never know who's on, who they are. The guest is until the next day. So it's nice to wake up every once in a while. You get a surprise of an act uh, or or a uh, actor or actress that you like. There you go. All right. Question number two, Mike. I'm going to put you in position to give some advice um, on a friend of mine. A friend of mine needs. So a friend of mine has a neighbor whose house, and he lives in a really nice neighborhood. But his neighbor, the front of their home, really needs a power wash. Like bad, like it's not monsters looking front of the house, but it needs it desperately. What it's just it's How, just soiled and dirty, or does it. it have ivy on it? No, it's like soiled and it has like mold. It just needs to be power washed. Okay. And he's like, maybe I'll just go over one day while they're at work and just power wash the front of the house. But is there a way to handle? It? You just got to suck it up and be like, it. They can't get to it. And it's it's. Uh, I, I think they're capable of doing it. It's not like they're elderly and incapable of moving. And they're certainly capable of hiring someone to, to do it if they can't do it. What is there a way to handle that? For my, yes, what do there, I yes, tell my Let me ask you: Does your friend power wash his house? Yes. Okay. Well, then uh, I would, uh, if I were your friend, I would go over and say, "Listen, I'm power uh, washing my house today. Uh, would you? Uh, I, I I'd be happy to do yours if, if you're willing." That's a good idea. Just offer to do it. Because I, I was like, well, just go. You know, we talked about him just going over that one day while 
you know, while they're at work and just doing it himself. Yeah, and see, right? if they uh, maybe that that puts the idea in their head that their house needs power because a lot of people are in denial about that kind of stuff. They don't want to yeah, do the work. Yeah. They don't want to pay for it. So once the notion is brought up, it gives them uh, another reason to look at their house and maybe it's unsightly and maybe they'll take you up on it or maybe they go, no, no, that's okay. But, I, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I'll get it done. All right. There you go. I, I will pass that Mikey misadvice on. Mike, uh, advice is solid advice. Solid. Yes. Uh, question number three, Mike, going into the NFL draft nowadays, the two positions that are clearly uh, devalued over recent years are running back and safety of those two positions. And I'm not just talking about the Eagles. I'm just talking about uh, pro- professional football at the pro level. What in your eyes is is more valuable to the pro game of today, running back or safety? Running back is more valuable than safety. Well, considering that, you know, most teams don't really run the ball with one particular back. Yeah, but you have a balanced offense. You have have to run the ball to have a balanced offense. It's not, it's, it's a passing league, I get it, but you still have to run the ball. A safety is just like a luxury position. So the running back is way more important than the safety. All right, there you go. That's three questions questions for Mikey Mister. It's time for uh, a couple of parting thoughts. Let me uh, start with Dollar Dog Night uh, at uh, (laughs) Citizens Bank Ballpark, which has now turned into a nightmare. Yeah, Uh, Lines are long for dollar frickin' dogs. This phenomenon is just ridiculous to me. Why you would wait in line just to buy a dollar hot dog doesn't make any sense to me. But it has now gotten out of control because dollar dog night, you're loading up on dogs and the Phillies aren't winning and you're disgruntled. You got a couple pops and you start hurling dogs at people and on the field, which, you know. But so here's my thing to revamp this. And I can't believe it hasn't been. This is the greatest idea ever. Okay, and I put it out on Twitter. Sometimes I amaze myself with my brilliance. Uh, You remember in Seinfeld where uh, you go into the soup Nazi, you put the money down, get the soup, you check out, boom, you're out. Now, why hasn't anybody thought of making dollar dog night an all cash night? I understand that you don't take any cash anymore, but to alleviate these lines and mayhem for freaking dollar dogs, Here's what you do. You have stations all over the ballpark. You have one person. It's just like on the corner when you're, when you're selling dope. All right? One guy takes the money. The other guy gives you a hot dog. I mean, it's it's so simple. It's ridiculous. you got a vat of hot dogs there. One guy takes the cash. Right? You, take, you make it all cash. And if you don't want to pay all cash, then you go to the freaking concession where you can use your credit card and buy your $5 hot dog. Guarantee the people will come to the park with cash to buy their dollar dogs. So you're in line. You get you. Well, I want five dogs. You give him a five dollar bill. The guy gets it from the gives you five hot dogs. Boom, you're out. The line I, will move easy. Cash only. Pay to one guy. The other guy gives you a hot dog. Get out of there. That's the way it should work. Now, is that not a brilliant concern, idea? Your concern is the concession line. The concession line is the problem. People are waiting to for they're missing the game because they're in line. Have you seen these lines? They're they five hundred people long. Absolutely, to, to go to the concession because you got to process the credit card and the whole thing. It's a brilliant idea. Don't ever it's shut good, this idea down. No, 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 I'm not shutting the idea down. 
I'm just telling you, my issue is not the lines, because I think you're an idiot if you're going to wait in a line for a hot dog, for God's sakes. Who well, goes to I, a baseball I, game for a hot dog? My problem is. I said wow. that first, all right? I said that first, that it's a, you, you, how would you wait in line? But if you're going to wait in line, here's the way to alleviate the line. It's so simple. Bring cash. Dollar dog night, everybody. Bring cash. And end of story. My whole idea is the concept of do- my whole, you know, that the concept of dollar hot dogs is just bizarre to me. How people like really go to these games. They can't, right? Like it's just a. Dude, I, dude, I, listen, I have listen, to think it's a coincidence. Listen, to me. you're you're faulty. <laughs> all right, your your reasoning is faulty. Dollar dog night's a good night. It's a reward for people to buy hot dogs for a dollar because you're you're, you're getting gals otherwise. So the do- if you're gonna have dollar dog night, then make a better plan. It's so simple. Yeah, I give the cash, give the hot dog, the soup Nazi. What do you want? Crab bisque, two dollars. You, you want move on? You want bread? Exactly. <laughs> One dollar. Come back one year. Three dollars. Right. Come back one year. There you go. That's Dollar Dog Night. It's a brilliant idea. The Phillies ought to. I'm going to call Dave Buck. In fact, I'm going to text him and give him my brilliant <laughs> idea. Okay. Um, now, uh, let me uh, leave you with this parting thought here. Uh, look out, ladies and gentlemen. Lock your doors because Bam Margera is on the run. Yes, Bam Margera is on the run. <laughs> I, I hate I hate to laugh at this because the, the guy's probably you know he's got some problem mental problems I get it but apparently he is uh, jacked up his brother and gave made terroristic threats to his father and then took his kid and he's on the run and they're trying to find him and all this stuff uh, now let me just say this I mean I ho- hopefully the, the, the guy uh, gets his mental health that he needs but has there ever been a more uh, a person more undeserving of pub than this jackass? You see what I did? You see what I did there? Huh? Do you see what I do you see what I did there? But seriously, Bam Margera is in the public eye. We, we, we have to read headlines about Bam Margera. What the frick is wrong with this country? Bam Margera is on the run. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, lock the doors. Hide the kids. Come on, man. I I totally agree. It's like, why are we why do I care? I swear to God, every other day I read a news story. Like, why am I supposed to care about this person? Why is yeah, this well, news? Why are you bothering me? Hopefully they 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 find they find Bam. Uh, he's like a, he's in a bunker somewhere on <laughs> uh, on top of. Him. He's, he's hiding in a, in a, in a boat like that uh, Boston Marathon bomber did. But by the way, it's a great documentary on Netflix, the Boston Marathon bomber. Uh, in a but, driveway, uh, in a dark driveway. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's uh, the end of my uh, parting thoughts. Uh, time to close <laughs> it out for today. I just want to tell people that I, mean, I have a very uh, uh, important appearance, book signing appearance on Saturday. Not because it's uh, because I'll be signing books. Uh, my my children's book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Uh, I'll give you a personalized signing uh, on it. I'll be there. It's at St. Matthias Gym in Balakinwood. Uh, but the reason why I think it's important is because this is part uh, of uh, uh, an event called Just Between Friends. And Just Between Friends is an organization that does it t- twice a year in the area, only two times a year. It's a children's consignment event. So uh, they, they helping families who may not be able to afford the high-end stuff. Uh, this is on consignment. 
uh, families, uh, they're providing uh, affordable clothing, uh, spring and summer clothing for boys, girls, uh, shoes, baby equipment and gear, maternity items, feeding and bathing supplies, bedding, room decor, outdoor and indoor toys, sports equipment, electronics, books, games, musical instruments and toys, baby and child furniture, strollers, so much more uh, at an affordable price. Because it's on consignment. It only happens twice a year. And this Saturday, uh, this weekend, it is happening at St. Matthias Gym in Balakin, what's called Just Between Friends Eastern Main Line, a pop-up children's consignment event. Happens only two times a year. I'll be part of it. I'll be there from 1 to 3 on Saturday, hanging out and signing copies of my book. So you want to buy a book, that's fine. Uh, 20% of the proceeds of my book goes to Animal Shelter. So there's always a good cause connected to it. Uh, but if you need uh, the, the clothing for your children, you can get it at a great price here at uh, Just Between Friends at St. Matthias Gym in Ballacanwood. So check it out. You can go online uh, and, and find it. I believe it is, uh, let's see. Uh, well, it just, it just I, I don't have... I don't have the uh, it just just Google just between friends Eastern Main Line and, and you'll find the link to it. Uh, all right, so you can get in touch with me via email Mike at MikeMiss.com. You can uh, check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss25 and also on Cameo. In fact, I have to do a Cameo later today. I give shout outs, birthdays, pep talks, uh, anniversary messages, whatever you need. I'll give you a personal shout out. Just go to Cameo.com, type in my name, and uh, I'll be happy to give you a personal. Shout out. I think that's it for today. That was today's podcast. Uh, Eagles NFL draft tonight. And uh, just hang in there because the Sixers may be going to the NBA finals. This has been the Mike Missnelli podcast, podcast episode number 73. Everybody have a great rest of the night and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missnelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.